This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference, when all has been heard, in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Have you been blessed so far by GYC? So what did you learn in the last hour? Wherever you were, what did you learn? Somebody tell me what you learned last hour that you walked away with. It doesn't have to be from this room. What did you learn? Attraction is a good thing. If it's attraction to the right thing. Yeah, good. That wasn't in my class, but that's a good thought. What did you learn last hour, somebody? What did you learn? Pardon me? That we need to pray more. You were in Melody's class. Yes, definitely. I'm, I'm reading through the Great Controversy again, and Martin Luther, went, before he went to Worms, he spent three hours of his choicest study time in prayer to prepare for that, that time. I just said, God, help me to learn how to pray like that. And trials help us to learn how to pray like that, for sure. All right. Was anybody in my class last hour that learned anything? The lack of hope weaponizes information. Yeah. Yeah. Without hope, information just hurts and crushes. That's why Jesus brought hope and strength to all with whom he came in contact. Sir, did you, were you going to say? The same thing. <laughs> all right. Well, I think uh, my name is Vicki Griffin. Welcome. Glad you are here for this class. And uh, today we're talking about God's peace plan. The next class that we're having this afternoon is Mindset Matters, how to develop the mental metal to overcome obstacles and negative naysaying habitual negative attitude. Uh, and then the one after that, I can't remember. Oh, food, mood, addictions, and the brain. Yeah. Yeah, the relationship. We did that one at Brighton Hospital, and it's a powerful program. So uh, as we begin today, this is pulling the camera back and helping us look at the big picture, the big picture, so that we don't get lost in the shrubs. Uh, did all of you receive your set of glow tracks, their balanced living tracks? There are 24 topics. Did you get, okay, here comes somebody. George is helping me. To make sure you have that, we also have a larger form of those. Hands are up. And though each one of those 24 topics, you see these lovely pictures. This is the program today. We produced, my husband and I, he's passed away now, but we, pro we produce materials for you to do evangelism with. Does that sound fair? Programs that you can edit and use to win souls and gain decisions for Christ. So the 24 topics that you have in those tracks, these are the first 16, 8 and 8. The next 8 will be ready uh, in a month, and they are fully scripted PowerPoints in a short and long version. So you can do a 5 to 7 minute presentation, or you can do a 30 minute presentation and that's what these are, and that's what the images that you are going to see, this is what they look like. Uh, so that you can make appeals, gain decisions for Christ. They are editable. You can take them to another country and change the language. You can put your own statistics. I, I did a program in Iceland, and I changed all the statistics. I did one in England, changed the statistics, uh, added, swapped slides around. Isn't that a blessing? You can make it your own. Uh, and so we have this amazing contract with Alamy uh, that has 65 uh, million images, and they have written a contract with us that is unheard of in the imaging digital world, and we believe that it is God opening the floodgates for gospel evangelism for you to do. And we have people using this in their homes. They have their neighbors over, and your home can become a home of hope. That's why we do what we do, so that you can be empowered in your ministry. So as we begin, I would like to uh, begin with prayer, and we're going to take a look at God's peace plan. Father in heaven, I thank you for this time that we can spend together. Thank you for each and every precious soul 
that is here, and I pray that your spirit would move upon our hearts, move upon my mouth and what I say, and the hearers, that you would open our eyes of understanding and give us a heart to learn. In Jesus' name, amen. So God's peace plan, finding peace in your crazy, busy world. Yeah, there's even something called hurry sickness now that people suffer from. There's a saying, a Chinese proverb, we hurry, we worry, and we bury. We are so busy, but our lives can be very barren in that busyness. Have you ever experienced that? You know, people will come to me, and I, 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 this is very recent. People will come to me and say, how are you doing? Oh, I'm busy. You know, what, shouldn't we say, the Lord is helping me to be fruitful? Busy doesn't equal fruitful. Busy can become burnout. Have you ever had that happen? Busy, busy, busy. Gandhi said this, there is more to life than increasing its speed. Can you imagine Jesus with the disciples? Okay, guys, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. We've got to get on the boat. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. We're busy, 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 busy. We've got to go, go, go. We've got to cross the lake. I have some demonics to meet, you know, stuff to do. Go, move, you know, let's go. No, you know, and, and amazingly, the, Ellen White says that God is calm upon his throne. Calm upon his throne. Uh, and there is a quote that I really, really love because we can become so frenzied, so frantic. And if I can find this, ah, this is incredible. Christ can look upon the misery of the world without a shade of sorrow for having created man. This is how valuable a soul is to him. This is how amazing. In the human heart, he sees more than sin, more than misery. In his infinite wisdom and love, he sees man's possibilities, the height to which he may attain. He knows that even though human beings have abused their mercies and destroyed their God-given dignity, yet the Creator is to be glorified in their redemption. Amen? Amen. So, heaven and hell are involved in the same circumstances to bring about different results. God allows things that he hates in order to bring about things that he loves. He hated the death of his son on the cross. He hates the suffering that we experience. He suffers in the person of his saints. But he allows it to bring about something that he loves. And I shared my testimony in the last meeting, how I began a career of running away from abuse when I was five. Uh, became wild by the age of 11, developed bulimia, became a chronic runaway, ran away for good when I was 17, was involved with, in drugs and smoking and running around, uh, and developed bulimia by the age of 11. And I am, when I came to God, I, I was so, I was 25 pounds thinner than I am right now, broken. The only reason I went to an Adventist college is because um, I liked the landscaping. I never heard of an Adventist. I thought it was a venting systems company, construction, something. Somebody told me it was a, uni a university. I knew nothing about these people. They told me, if you want to get in, my friend told me, if you want to get in, just tell them the body's a temple that lets you in. That's just what these people do. And that's what I did. I knew nothing. And I, here I am, health ministries director, you know. What committee in heaven did that? When I came to God, when I realized the Savior and God are real, that I, and, and I moved from atheism to believing in God and gave my broken life to God, it was not because I sensed or knew God's love. I didn't. <clears throat> I didn't care about that type of thing. I wanted justice. Justice. Ju Does anybody in this room want justice? Is anybody in this room tired of injustice, cruelty, subjugation of innocence, assaults on vulnerable people? God's people cry out for justice. It's not all just about love. 
And that was the condition I was in when I came to God. And so my prayer to God, I was throwing up a dozen times a day. I didn't care about life. I had no self-control. My husband said, Vicki, your motto is ready, shoot, aim. He said, do you ever think before you act? I still read books on trying to get this thing down better. It's better. It's better. It's not what it should be, but it's better. I still have to send emails around. I'm sorry I said this at the meeting. I wasn't thinking. Please forgive me. It was, you know, but confession glorifies God too. Amen? So when I prayed to God to deliver me from the mess I was in, I said, God, I am giving you everything that I have and that I am, which was, you know, nothing. I didn't think that at the time. I thought I was pretty hot stuff. I wasn't. I was 31. I said, I'm giving you everything I have, and I only want one thing in return, one string attached. I just want to spend the rest of my life paying the devil back for what he did. That was my prayer. It wasn't, I love you, you love me. It was nothing about love. It was about vengeance. And God hired me, and I am his hitman today to put the devil out of business. Amen? That's why we produce materials for you to go out and put the devil out of business. And uh, before I met God, I was going to do this on my own. I graduated in social work. I did child abuse investigations. Then I went into finance and I repossessed cars, skip traced on bad checks. Then I got a master's in public administration. I was going to zone all the evil out of town. <laughs> Then I went to law school. I was going to be a prosecutor and put everybody in jail. <laughs> but then there would be nobody left to put me in jail. Then I realized that God is just. And that payday is coming. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 7 says this. For whatever you have had to endure, you know, I didn't ask to be born where I was and be, have that stuff happen to me and, and have the brutality and, you know, I didn't ask for any of that. When I, I didn't ask for the genetic deck I was dealt. I didn't ask for being born into ignorance and wrong theology of an eternal hell. I didn't ask for any of that, but I was there. But the Bible says, whatever shame you have had to endure on this planet, whatever injustice you have had to endure, in this planet, because of sin, I will repay you double. Double. Workers' compensation. Double for your trouble. Yeah. He pays you back double. So stop whining about your past. Start collecting your paycheck. Amen? Amen. So I'm so thankful he brought me into this work and that I work for him. So I want to take a look at God's peace plan. When you lose your peace, you have your power. You lose your power. And I know that for me, you know, in our flesh, we think, and I'm just being honest, maybe I'm the only one in this room, but I, I think, you know, if I had a bunch of money, right? If I won the lottery, if I found a ticket, I didn't gamble, I just found this thing in the parking lot. <laughs> And of course, I would give half of it to the church. Then, you know, I'd get the car fixed. Uh, we, we think, it, I would have peace, right? I would have peace if my, if my, if only, if only, if only, if only, then I would have peace. Don't we do that? If only I had that money. If only I had a different car. If only I had a different boss. If only I didn't have that annoying spouse. If only my kids were X, Y, Z. Then I'd have peace. That's what we think. Well, if you Google the misery associated with winning the lottery, it's really interesting. Because something like three quarters of lottery winners lose everything within four years. The murder and suicide rate goes up, even in family members. And when you read the quotes of these people that have won the lottery, some of them are chambermaids and parking lot attendants. They won the lottery. They got their dream. And they say things like, the people I loved became vultures. They became vampires, sucking the life out of me. Drug abuse goes up, suicides go up, homicides go up. And one maid said, I bane the day that I ever won the lottery. There is only one source of peace, and that's God. 
But I believe that there are parts to that because there are people that belong to our churches and to churches in the land who love God. They believe in God. They claim the promises for peace. They want peace, but they don't have peace. And they're sincere. So I set about to figure out, well, what are the pieces involved in this peace plan? How many of you would like to have the whole peace plan, the whole thing? Because in my view, this is my opinion, without all of these pieces, it doesn't work. You don't have it. So let's take a look, then we'll break it down. God has given us a lifestyle that promotes peace. So we're going to be looking at this when we talk about food, mood, the brain, and addictions. The very important truth that we need to consider this morning is that you don't have a soul that is the higher intelligent part of you. You are a soul. And there is only one organic place that God can speak and where spirituality developed, and that is where? It's in your brain. It's very, very important. So the battle is not for the bulge, it's for the brain. And lifestyle has a profound effect on mood, memory, learning, and behavior, and even the ability to have a spiritual uh, relationship. God has given us attitudes to practice that produce peace. I want to go back to this one. I can pray. You know, I have the fun and joy of delivering these messages to people who are not of our faith, who have not thought through some of these things, who hold the idea of an, of a more, of an immortal soul that flies away, who don't understand the connection between the brain-body systems, which really cannot be separated, which we will learn more intimately in the addictions program this afternoon. But here's one way that I illustrate it to my non-Adventist friends. I can sit on the couch and pray for deliverance from depression and anxiety all day long. God's got the power. Amen? He's got the promises. Amen? But if I sit on the couch, watch desperate housewives, and eat ding-dongs all day, it's not going to happen. So God not only has power, he not only has promises, he also has a plan. And if I don't step into his plan and walk in his plan and walk in the truth that he has given me, then the power and the promises have no energy. They cannot be operational in my life. Does that make sense? So the lifestyle that he gives us promotes peace. Attitudes to practice that produce peace. You know, about 60% of what we think is habitual. And there's a saying that as the mind thinks, the mouth speaks, and the man moves. How many of you would like to think, have a little bit more retooling and uh, improving of the way that you think? Yeah, it's a discipline. Just like exercise is a discipline. Just because you feel it doesn't make it truth. We need to start operating from what we know and speaking what we know instead of what we feel. And it takes work, especially if you tend to be a negative, naysaying, catastrophic personality. That's why I signed up for the next class, which is Mindset Matters. Yeah, because I need to attend that one myself. <laughs> He's given us spiritual principles that secure peace. You know, there is no peace without full, unconditional surrender to Christ. And he's given us faith that preserves peace. When everything goes wrong, and God is behind the clouds, and you don't understand, and instead of the little delicate chisel, you've been hit with a ball-peen hammer, faith preserves peace. So let's take a look at these. And I have picked a couple of unique, uh, just a couple of unique pieces to emphasize because we're going to be talking about nutrition in the brain in our addictions program. I think that's, I think that's this afternoon, yeah. It's the last meeting this afternoon. So I've picked a different topic to emphasize in this one in lifestyle. Uh, this is a very interesting statement. It is not one, but a combination of what? Lifestyle choices that, and activities that benefit the brain the brain I had a lady come up to me we did a 
<clears throat> I run obesity clinics and programs. We deal with diabetes and heart disease and food addictions and, and bariatrics. I've done some programs for bariatric organizations. And we talk about the benefits of these different food components on the brain and on different systems. So for instance, high serum levels of carotenoids. We think of uh, beta carotene that's in carrots. Well, there are more than 500 carotenoids in the plant system, these colorful, beautiful vegetables. And at least 60 or 80 of them have strong biologic effects. Well, high serum levels or blood levels of carotenoids actually reduce sleeplessness and irritability. I mean, I can take that to the bank. I mean, isn't that a, just a great thing? So we talk about fatty acids, um, that special profiles of fatty acids when you consume them. It tends to lower impulsivity and clinical depression. There's a linear relationship with these things. It's, it's not that food fixes everything. There are some mean vegetarians out there. You might have met some. But would you agree with me that it's an important tool? Yes? Are we together? <clears throat> so a lady came up to me regarding this statement about, about a multiplicity of, of tools that we use together. She said, well, Sister Griffin, you told us that wal walnuts you know, aid in lowering inflammation and helped him lower impulsivity, the you know, blah, blah, depression. And she said, I've been eating walnuts for a month, and I don't feel better yet. And I said, well, imagine how nasty you'd feel if you weren't eating them. <laughs> it's not just, it's never just one thing. It's not a silver, there's no magic silver bullet. Many of the fundamental tools for the care and feeding of the brain are everyday matters. So this is where physical and mental exercise, proper nutrition, and adequate sleep will help how many? Anyone gain what? Cognitive clarity and, wow, emotional stability. How many of you would like to be more steadfast, more stable? You can press in to Christ, press through the trouble, press on to victory. I'll tell you a real simple definition of wisdom. Wisdom is making a decision today that you're going to be happy about tomorrow. That's what wisdom is. So I want to talk about sleep for just a few minutes because this is a convenient place to put it in. I didn't want to leave the seminar series without discussing the effect of deep sleep and the brain. Nearly two-thirds of the population are tired most of the time. That's kind of scary, isn't it? Tired most of the time. So you may think that that clerk or that coworker is... Um, just being nasty because they have something against you, but the truth may be they're just tired. They're just, I just assume people are tired, no matter who I'm talking to. I assume they're tired and they didn't hear me. And in the Italian culture, we just get louder, but that doesn't work either. I'm learning. Teens sleep two and a half hours less a day than in earlier years. And here's a really interesting statement from uh, Councils on Diets and Foods. A lack of physical exercise and irregular hours for eating and sleeping do what to the brain forces? Sap the brain forces. I want to show you a picture of a rested brain. See the beautiful fuchsia color here? A nice rested brain is a brain that can hear God's voice better and make better decisions. Would you agree with that statement? I want to show you a picture now of a tired brain. There it is. Look at that. It's just <coughs> low battery, low battery, amber alert. So what happens with a tired brain? A tired brain does not discern as much of what is going on around them. A tired brain cannot filter out distractions. So concentration and attention is affected. <clears throat> There's a Microsoft study that just came out that is very concerning to me. In 2000, media users' attention span, heavy media users, the attention span, this was on young people, was 12 seconds. I can hold your attention for 12 seconds. As of 2008, with our heavy use of media, 
Now it is eight seconds. I was thinking about taking juggling lessons to keep people's attention to a program. The attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. <laughs> so you add this addictive activity. And I tell you what, working on that program, the entertainment trap, and it's going to be in our third set of eight uh, available to you to share, uh, I had to reassess some of my digital habits. You know, how, how important have I gotten that I need to check my email every five minutes? Um, how much news is going to happen in an hour that I need to check it again? Um, we could go on about that, and it's going to be in another program this afternoon. But the tired brain can't filter out distractions, so focus and concentration is affected. Can this affect Bible study, being able to absorb deep truths? Yeah, oh. And it doesn't care as much about what it does discern. We don't have the mental faculties to care. Judgment is impaired and doesn't resist as much. Doesn't, you know, when you think of some of these Bible stories, Peter, when he fell, and different things, Elijah, what doest thou here, Elijah? They were tired. I mean, when Elijah ran, what was the remedy? It wasn't sitting around singing Bible promises, was it? He needed two meals and two naps before God could even talk to him. Yeah. Anything that lessens physical strength enfeebles the mind and makes it less what? Capable of discriminating between right and wrong. You may think that you are in deep spiritual trouble, that your soul is resisting God, when in fact you just may be suffering from sleep debt and exhaustion. It may be a lifestyle piece that is bringing you on the verge or precipice of despair in your life. Less able to solve problems. When we're not able to solve problems well, because we can't think them through and can't concentrate, what do we tend to develop? What tends to happen? Depression? I know what would happen to me years ago. Donut shop. Like, that's it. I'm going to the donut shop. Yeah, all of these different Addictions can develop, depression, anxiety disorders, because we can't concentrate and think through problem solving. Life is a series of trials. And we just keep praying for life to get easier. And it's not going to happen. We've got to take care of our vessel so that we can cope with increasing pressure and stress. So that we can press through troubles and endure. We become less capable of choosing the good and have less strength of will to know, uh, to do that which we know to be right. We want God to zap us, and then we're going to do everything, but what he does is he, he implants within us the desire and the urge, but then we have to act upon it and get our habits in line with his will so that he can strengthen us. The promise is he'll strengthen every faculty. I'm really thankful for that. When I think of my life as, as an 11-year-old, and for all those years, my behavior and the drugs and the running around and the craziness and the hypervigilant lifestyle from just being so abused, and, all, and it increases pain, it increases migraine, it increases all kinds of things, catastrophizing, and when I think of the healing touch of God through the years, as we step by step, day by day, just make one good choice at a time, as he brings it to mind and he strengthens us and remakes us and renews us so that we're actually, actually really cheerful people. I mean, this is, this is amazing to me. Um, when I married my husband, nothing was funny, nothing. And he was a very nicely dispositioned man. It took me a while to see anything as being humorous. But now, a lot of things are funny to me, and I enjoy, I enjoy the irony of life. I enjoy gaining strength. I even enjoy being corrected by God, because I know that when God corrects me, it's because he wants to bring strength and blessing into my life. He wants to improve me, not torture me. The devil wants you to be walking under condemnation. He wants you to be hopeless, helpless, and worthless. God uses the same information that the devil has to build you up, to boost you, and to make you new. I'm thankful for that. Sleep debt decreases the entire brain's ability to function, most significantly impairing areas of the brain 
responsible for attention, paying attention, the ability to pay attention. It's really interesting because when your brain is tired, I have another chart. I didn't put it up because I want to be able to get through the whole presentation. But these studies on sleep debt show that with just a, 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 an hour of sleep loss every night, two hours, three hours, four hours, there's a 20% loss in productivity of the, of the ability to be productive. And it, and it is lasting over time. So you have a week of this. Pardon me? I beg your pardon? 30 minutes? Thank you. I need stronger glasses to be able to understand those kinds of signals. <laughs> Just tell me next time. So anyway, um, these studies on sleep debt show that when the brain is chronically tired, it, it dials down the ability to work on hard things, to think about hard problems, work on hard problems, solve problems, do hard complex work that require critical thinking. Critical thinking is looking at facts and deciding what you are going to do with those. Now, by the way, pictures of these, these can't be posted. Okay, no, that's okay. Pick the, these are Getty images, they can't be posted. These you can use. They're gorgeous, they look just the same. So anyway, the brain will not allow you to do hard things. And I've had this happen to me, where I'm sitting down, I have to script a program, I have to do research, I have to do something hard. I sit down to work, and I think, ah, oh, look at those hangnails. We, we, I gotta deal with this. So I go in the bathroom, deal with the hangnails. I didn't know this mirror need cleaning. It's a mess. We do that, we get back, there's a few emails to answer, then I need to go for a walk. Everything but the hard job. Your brain will not let you do it. And so then we sign up for a real expensive time management program when you really might just need a nap. So this deal about your brain being, and by the way, restorative sleep, it takes a, quite a bit of restorative sleep to bring the brain, brain back up to optimal functioning. So complex planning, judgment, problem solving, all affected, initiative. What is initiative? Initiative is the ability to make a decision and do something new and different. It's part of the creative brain uh, that is, is one of the areas that uh, is, is very useful in breaking addictions because God gave us creative brains that love beautiful and new things. And the addicted brain has lost its ability to appreciate new things. And so part of the joy of being a human being is enjoying new things and new challenges. But without sleep, it goes away. Forethought. What is forethought? What is it? It's the ability to say, you know, if I make this decision now, this is what's going to happen as a result of this. It's really important. The Lord Jesus, he wants to give you insight as to what to do, oversight of your journey, and, and, uh, and, and foresight as to what the results will be. He wants to govern all of this. And when we're in sleep debt, we lose it. So what can we do? Establish regular hours for eating and sleeping. Develop a sleep routine. So do any of you have a sleep routine that, that signals your brain that you're winding down for the evening? What is, your, what is something that you do at night that is part of your sleep routine that tells you you're, you're winding down? Chamomile tea. Good. What else? What do you do? Shower bath, a favorite bathrobe, maybe you have a book that you love to read in a special chair. It's not surfing Facebook. That wakes the brain up. Limit media. Limit media. It wakes your brain up. Manage stress. And of course, we want to nix caffeine and alcohol and late night eating. Late night eating causes a surge of insulin. And what are you going to do? Build a barn this evening? So. You know, you want that stomach empty when you go to bed at night so that, you, so that all of those interdigestive hormones and all of the reparative uh, substances that are created by the pituitary at night when you're sleeping, memory consolidation takes place, all of these great things take place when you're sleeping at night. So daily exercise is going to facilitate deep sleep. It resets the body clock. I hope that you're paying attention to your vitamin D levels if you don't live in a sunny place. You always want to know what your D levels are and, and maybe be supplementing with D. But get outside, 
It relaxes muscle tension, reduces anxiety, and improves mood. I used to start worrying about things, worrying, worrying. My husband was not a worrier. He just trusted God. It was so annoying at times. I would be downstairs worrying about really important things. I would go upstairs, and the man is working. I'd say, Dane, what's wrong with you? What are you doing? He'd say, I'm working. Well, how can you work when there's so much to worry about? Do I have to do all the worrying for this family? And he'd say, Vicki, you know, men can compartmentalize really well. He'd say, Vicki, you know, I, it's over here in my brain. But I can't, I can't do anything about it. But all of this, I can do something about. So I'm working. I'm getting this stuff done. And I'd say, that is ridiculous. It's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. And he would tell me, Vicki, don't you teach people that an hour walk, I mean, a 10-minute walk improves mood for an hour? Maybe it's time for a little brisk walk for you. He'd say, why don't you walk for an hour? Then we'll be so slap happy you won't know what to do with yourself. <laughs> who do you think had the brain power to solve the problem? Who do, you think who do you think solved the problem? The worrier or the truster? There's, there's a real reason why that happens because when you are in a constant state of stress, that includes insulin resistance, where blood sugar levels are high, uh, chronic worrying, this mental state, the brain generates new nerve cells in substantial numbers. And these new nerve cells actually migrate to various areas of the brain, four areas in particular, two that are very important to us. One is the hippocampal area of the brain, which has to do with learning and memory, problem solving. The other area is the amygdala, which has to do with emotional memory and fear. So this tells me about a god who wants to heal us, and who wants to renew us, and who wants us to gain in wisdom over time and be healed from past trauma. But even though these new nerve cells are, are created in substantial numbers and migrate to these key areas, worry, insulin resistance, some of these other challenges actually cause those new nerve cells to commit suicide. And learning becomes impossible. When serotonin levels are low, dopamine low, worry, 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 it, become a ha it can become a habit, can't it? Just this mental state of something can go wrong. Uh, and so it's one thing to create new nerve cells. Their survivability is another. This is a key piece in new brain cell survivability. So whatever your goal is, it's really about neurogenesis in the brain, especially if you're battling depression. And exercise is key. I love this. Give your time, yourselves proper time to what? Sleep. Those who sleep give nature time to build up and repair the waste of the organism. Simply and beautifully put. God cares about your schedule. He cares about your schedule. He wants you to rest physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Even though your feet can be running, your heart can be walking. Amen? That's his goal for us, so that we have strength. His priorities for your life will not crush you. They will strengthen and empower you. His priorities are balance, rest, and joy. That's what drives a spirit-filled person. Even in the midst of trials, his joy is our strength. He invites you into his rest, the Sabbath rest, a daily rest, spiritual rest, and trust. Let's talk about attitudes that produce peace. They're called peptides. Peptides. Courage, hope, faith, sympathy, and love promote health and prolong life. These are attitudinal disciplines, not feelings. Okay, let's say that together, attitudinal disciplines attitudinal disciplines. These have nothing to do with feeling. Now, I, I know that some of you who have a disposition like my basic disposition are saying, oh, sure, you don't understand. You know, if you had my situation, you wouldn't be running around smiling. Well, maybe not. It's like a sign that I saw on an executive's desk. It said, you're smiling because you don't understand the situation. And that is basically, you know, my default is that. However, would you agree with me that even in the midst of trouble and trial, that we can be gracious, we can be kind, and we can behave ourselves? Would you agree with me? Would you agree that there's a benefit to that? 
Would you agree that there's a benefit to practicing these disciplines when we don't know, don't understand, don't have the answers, and are in trouble? That is where the grace of God is revealed. In long-suffering, Paul says to Timothy, uh, in the first chapter of Timothy, to those, his, the long-suffering of Christ in you will work to win those who will later be heirs of salvation. It's a character trait of God to give us these qualities in the midst of trials. Stop waiting for your circumstances to be right, to act right. You can act right because you choose to act right. Amen? I don't, that was like not strong. Let's just say, even if you don't feel it, I want you to do this. Well, I want to hear, amen. amen. Now, don't you feel better already? All right, I do. A contented mind, a cheerful spirit, is health to the body and strength to the soul. It's a discipline. Optimism is looking at the best possible outcome instead of dwelling on every possible thing that could go wrong. We can literally think ourselves into a train wreck before we ever get out of bed in the morning. And some of you know what I'm talking about. So these traits, when we practice them, actually stimulate new nerve connections and encourage their survivability, improve problem solving, affect perception of, of life, lower stress hormones, and by the way, high levels of cortisol also cause this suicidal activity of these new nerve cells in the brain, increase attentiveness, and increase creativity. And you and I were created by God to have the joy of learning new things. That's the opposite of an addiction. Uh, someone who is suffering from an addiction has lost the ability to learn new things. They are focused on that one thing, that one answer, that one thing to relieve that pain. And when a person is involved in an addiction, they're no longer doing that thing to feel good. They're doing it to keep from feeling what? Bad. That's exactly right. And so it's not about being a pleasure lover at that point. It's about they're surviving. They're just surviving. And it's a, it's a downward thing. But fortunately, it can be broken. The mind is so powerful that we can set off stress response just by imagining ourselves in a threatening situation. Have you ever done that? We can literally think ourselves into a frenzy. I was preparing for these meetings. <laughs> you know, I am not a naturally positive person. Why do you think I write all these books on the brain and lifestyle uh, and mood and fixing your attitude? It's because I need it. So I'm getting ready to go, my, and when I was little, you know, well, you better take a sweater. You know, you might catch pneumonia and die. <laughs> and, and if you do, don't come running to me, because I warned you, you know, it was that kind of a thing. And so I'm preparing for these meetings. I'm preparing for these meetings, and I, think, and I wake up one morning, one side of my nostril is slightly stuffy. Oh, no. Now what's going to happen? And I could just imagine myself here, hanging on for dear life, couldn't breathe, full of fever, trying to present these programs, passing out in front of everybody. They dragged me out, the health and ministries director. <laughs> I just said, wait a minute, devil. You are fine. Vicki, get up, get out, go for a walk, you're fine. You're not ancient yet. <laughs> so I have to do battle. The battle is for our minds and our thinking. The brain is not an inanimate vessel that we fill. It is more like a living creature with an appetite, one that can grow and change itself with proper nourishment and exercise. By viewing the brain as a muscle that can be weakened or strengthened, we can exercise our ability to determine who we become. We are partners with God, co-laborers with him in these amazing steps for growth, and strength. A high moral character and fine mental qualities are not the result of accident. God gives opportunities. And you know what? Opportunities often come in the form of trials, disappointments, failures, betrayals, and broken trust. I call it going through the paper shredder. But God has a lot of glue. 
and he'll put you back together better than you were before you had that experience. How many of you know that from personal experience? Some of the worst trials of your life have brought out the best changes in you. And it's not that you're being punished. You're being refined for the kingdom. You're being refined for the kingdom and you will be sent like a polished weapon into, through the gates of hell to help other people who've had the same experience. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. You know, the, the sanctuary had its own shekel. It had its own currency. And so James says, count it all joy when you fall into manifold, many, diverse, sudden trials and temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. Well, we, in the ledger of life, these are horrible things. You know, you lose a limb or a job or you get an infection or you lose a spouse or a child goes astray or commits suicide. I mean, these are serious, serious, serious things we face in this life. But there is a heavenly currency associated with all these things. Heaven and hell are involved in the same circumstances to bring about different results. And in the, and in the shekel, the coin of heaven, you can become rich. God allows things that he hates to bring about things that he loves. The gold of compassion, sympathy, patience, mercy, love, heavenly-mindedness, strength, perseverance, character. How many of you would like some of those things? You know, we love people that have those traits, and we want what they have, but we don't want to go through what they went through to get it. It's like that fruit that's been burnt by the sun. It just brings out that sugar, doesn't it? And I remember early in the days of our ministry, when we never so much as got as a sinus infection, the way we used to sound when we preached this message. After losing my husband and getting several very terrible things happen and illnesses and whatever, it's changed me for the better. And, and your ears would be singed right now if I hadn't been through those experiences. So I want to stop and give praise to God for the suffering that has made me tolerable to you to present a message without scorching you. <laughs> God gives opportunities. Success depends upon the use that you make of them. You know, you can bring a treasure out of a trial, and that gives the devil a black eye. How many of you want to give the devil a black eye? The openings of providence must be quickly discerned and eagerly seized upon. Even if you got yourself into a mess, you don't know how you got there. It was stupid, and there you are. You got there. You don't know how you got there. You don't know how to get out. God is there for you. Remember David at Ziklag, amen? And if you learn something from it, then you've still given the devil a black eye. Amen. Amen. Finally, let's talk about, well, we have two more, and I, my time is almost up. How many minutes do I have? Just tell me. Oh, good. Spiritual principles that secure peace. You know, part of the reason that we're so miserable all the time, or most of the time, or often, is that we feel like we need to understand the reason for everything. But the Bible says that God casts down reasonings and imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. When I give up my need to understand everything and have a reason why everything is happening or a reason why something happened to... Look at Job's friends. Oh, they knew the reason he was suffering. And God was so angry with them for the suffering they inflicted on Job. He said, I'm not even going to listen to them. Have them bring you a sacrifice, Job, because I will listen to you. I'm not listening to them. And we don't want to get in the position where we're pontificating about why other people are suffering. We just want to be the hands of Jesus to bring help and sympathy. Amen? Amen. Spiritual well-being is the center of a healthy lifestyle. Faith in God, prayer, and religious attitudes are strongly associated with getting everything you want and no suffering. Is that what it says? No. It's life satisfaction in the midst of trouble, turmoil, problems, obstacles. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He says to us, I will remove your stony heart and replace it with a heart that is God-willed. 
not self-willed. I read a book, an amazing book. It's called Contentment. Does anybody know that book? Contentment by a physician. I can't remember his name. John somebody. It's an amazing book. And, you know, I, I've had a lot of sorrow over the loss of my husband. I just didn't know how I could possibly survive on this planet without him. And it's been terrible. <clears throat> and so I, when I had to travel a lot, I have an awful sense of direction. Awful sense of direction. And when I flew out to meet my husband in, in Maryland, they sent me to the corner store to get cornflakes, and I wound up two hours later in Manassas, Virginia. I mean, it's bad. And God allowed my husband to go, and now I have to navigate through airports by myself. So this caused me great self-pity and depression. So I, oh, it's Swenson, John Swenson, the book Contentment, written by a Christian physician. It's an amazing book. I suggest that you read it. So at the airport, I'm nursing this. I'm, I'm here I am alone at this airport. I don't know what concourse I'm in. I don't know how to get anywhere. I don't know anybody. This is scary. Then I have to rent a car. I've even asked the agent, can I rent you with the car? Will you please, will you please just drive me where I need to go? I will pay you. No, they won't do it. Um, so I would wind up in the scarf store and buy a scarf, $10. It's not much. But after reading this book on contentment, I was trying to solve my problem, reduce my pain. I mean, scarves are nice. I'm not against them. $10 isn't that much. But I walked into my closet after, looking, after reading this book, and it looked like a boutique. <laughs> and, I, and I asked myself, how many scarves does a human being need to be happy? Will it make your neck younger? No. <laughs> Do you have all the colors you need? Yes. Okay, so the question is, how are you going to deal with this next time you're at the airport? Because that $10 really belongs to God. He wants me to have a God will, not a self will. When I'm confronted with a mood or an emotion, he has a way to make me stronger through that thing. He allows me to experience it. He allows you to experience it. But he has a way for you to deal with it that isn't social media. It isn't buying stuff. It isn't porn. It isn't addiction to gaming. It isn't spending money. It isn't donuts and ice cream. It's something amazing. Ask him what it is. He'll help you. Amen? Amen. We've got to break these addictions. He'll give you that heart. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not your own. It's a gift. What an amazing gift he's given us. Praise him. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. But you know the, that when he's in your heart, it produces those works, doesn't it? Because you have a heart to serve him. You love him. I've done so much complaining about, about the suffering in my life. And, and now you can complain and remain, or you can praise and be raised. You can go to the phone or the throne. What's your choice? You have a choice to make. And he will infuse you with joy sent from heaven, regardless of your circumstance. Apart from him, we can't do this. We can't do anything. In fact, non-Christians are not given the commission in everything give thanks. They're not given that commission. It's to us in Thessalonians. In everything give thanks, because he's going to bring something good out of whatever that bad thing is. He doesn't call bad things good, but he will bring you to honor in the midst of those who are watching for your failure. God alone can fashion the character after the divine similitude. Draw near to him in earnest prayers. Set aside a portion each day for the study of the scriptures and communion with God, and you will gain spiritual strength. He will fill your hearts with holy purpose, deep earnest longings for purity and clearness of thought. And now, just as you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, please continue. Don't give up. Successful people are not mistake-free. They just refuse to give up. Amen? Let your roots go down into him. Let your lives be built in him. And then your faith will grow strong in the truth. He'll bring a taproot into your life. And finally, and most importantly, faith that preserves peace. So God has given us a lifestyle to practice that promotes peace. 
He's given us attitudes to practice, attitudinal disciplines that produce peace. They're called peptides. He's given us spiritual principles that secure peace. And most of all, he's given us, or lastly, he's given us faith that preserves peace in the midst of trouble. Faith is the assurance of everything that you hope for, the evidence of things that are absolutely not happening. Sadness looks back. Worry looks around. You done that? Dane used to sing a song to me. It's an awful song. I don't know if it's an Adventist song, but I never heard it till I was an Adventist, and he was raised in Adventist schools. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. Think I'll go eat worms. And it gets worse. And he thought it was funny singing a song like that to me. <laughs> Worry looks around. You know, the, what does the Bible say? The Bible says in Luke, when you see all these things begin to come to pass, what is the first thing we're instructed to do? Look up and lift up your head. Lift up your eyes, for your redemption draws nigh. Worry looks around, but faith looks up. Faith says either make the problem smaller or me bigger. What do you think he's going to do? What do you think he's going to do? Like a pine sapling that grows stronger, sturdier, and bigger with each passing season, the trials, troubles, obstacles, and mysteries of life will actually build strength. You will gain strength of character as you walk with God through every circumstance of life. Bad circumstances are not evidence that God is not with you. Neither are good circumstances evidence that all is well. Look at the antediluvians. Not a sinus infection, and they were wiped out. <laughs> He'll walk with you through every circumstance of life, including setbacks, loss, achievement, obstacles. The Lord has a plan for you. How many of you want to be part of his peace plan? Every piece of it. Purposes of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. You know, we have our balance magazines. It's 12 sets. One of them is called um, Lessons on Loss. One of the magazines is on loss. The other one is on chronic pain. Both of those magazines originated because of the cancer journey that my husband and I went through. He wrote the last article that he ever wrote in the chronic pain um, magazine, and it's called No More Pain. And he said this, I realize now that faith is not about the outcome. Faith is about growing from trial to trial, from faith to faith, in order to be ready for the outcome that God permits. Faith is not an insurance policy against troubles. Faith is a roadmap, God's GPS, God's positioning system, that will lead us unfailingly to God's perfect destination for us. Faith is not given to avoid problems. Faith is given to avoid failure while enduring problems. Faith is dynamic. Where will my journey take me? That's up to God. I just want his faith that overcomes the world, his faith that develops me to meet each new trial, his faith that prepares me for the only guarantee that faith offers, for by grace you are saved through faith. Amen. That is your decision today. Would you stand with me as we have closing prayer? Dear Father in heaven, I thank you for each and every soul in this room. Lord, without hope, there is no health. Without faith, our journey is dark. Lord, light the path. Help us to walk by faith, not by sight, not by feelings, not by circumstances, that your plan will be embedded in our hearts, in our minds, and in our souls, that we will practice a lifestyle that promotes peace, attitudes that produce peace, a surrender that secures real peace and faith that sustains it. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference when all has been heard in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. For other resources like this, 
visit us online at www.gycweb.org.